0: Well, good morning. My name is Dave, and I'm the campus pastor here at uh, the World Golf Village campus of Good News Church. And we're so glad that each of you are here this morning. Thank you so much. In the seatbacks in front of you, you'll see a Connect card. And, and I'd love for you, if you're new or visiting, take the time this morning to fill that out and let us know that you're here. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. We look forward to helping you take a next step in following Jesus with us This morning, after the uh, service is over, you can take those cards and leave them in one of the black boxes on the wall there in the back of the auditorium as you leave. And we're so glad that you're here. This was the weekend of our Good News Camp, and we had an amazing time over at Southwind. Uh, There was over 200 people there serving and having the time of their life to help other people have the time of their life. Um, getting to know Jesus, and so it was awesome. There was only one thing that was missing from this year's camp, and that's you. So I hope that you'll plan next year to join us for Good News Camp 2.0. It's going to be the weekend of September 13th, 14th, and 15th at Southwind, and you don't want to miss it. There's nothing better than having the time of your life with people that you love. And we want to help you have experiences together as a family. The father-daughter dance is coming up, and I just encourage you dads, as the father of a daughter who's now 24 years old and has a, a son uh, and a husband, Just, I would just encourage you to consider how are you going to invest in your daughter now so that when they're 24... They, they still look back on great, great memories with you. Here's an opportunity for you to take a step and have a great time uh, together with your daughter, the father-daughter dance. Really, really encourage you to take advantage of that. Now, our study in the book of 2 Timothy uh, continues this morning, so I'd invite you to grab your Bible and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And um, if you don't have a Bible. There's one that you can follow along on the screen, but I do encourage you to bring a Bible with you on Sunday morning, and we want to give attention to it as I read it, because this is God's Word. It's inspired, inerrant, infallible. It's sufficient. It's our only rule for faith and practice. Now, I'm going to pick up reading in chapter 2, verse 22. Flee from youthful lusts, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's spend just a moment in prayer. Dad, I thank you for your word written and preserved through the ages that we might have it this morning to open and read. And Father, I pray that you would take from your word the things that are true about Jesus Christ and make them real to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. That those of us who know Jesus would follow him with hearts set a fire by the love of Jesus. And those who don't yet know Jesus, the source of eternal life, that they would turn from their sin and trust in their Savior Jesus, because he is more than able to save to the uttermost those who put their trust in him. Father, help the one who teaches and, and help all of us who hear we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So this morning, I brought some uh, river rock to share with you. And uh, I encourage you to, after the service, come out and, and pick out one of these river rocks that you might uh, like and think is just the best one for you. But when you get a river rock, you'll notice that the river rock is, is smooth to the touch. You say, well, how did it get so smooth? What was it that caused the river rock to to be smooth in its its surface? So what was it? A lot of people think that it's the river. The river is what, what goes over the rock and causes the rock to be smoothed. But you know what actually causes the river rock to become smooth? It's the other rocks. The river creates the propulsion... But it's the rocks striking one another that causes those hard edges to be chipped off and over time, the river rocks become smooth. Now, wouldn't you like to become more smooth? There's only one thing that has to happen. Collision, collision. And that's why we need both. We need both the, the rockiness of collision, but we need the propulsion and the grace of the river to move us along, to help us, and to encourage us. And this morning, this morning we're going to learn more about this life together, that the Bible describes again and again and again with the phrase, one another. Throughout the New Testament, there are commands given time after time that say things like this, love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, serve one another, be hospitable to one another. There's more than 50 of them. Those one anothering verses, that's what describes this Life together, this colliding life that produces the smoothness that our lives are to demonstrate to the world. In verse twenty-two, in verse twenty-two, we read about this life together. But, ref, uh, but it says in verse twenty-two, "Flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace." Now, here's the phrase that we're going to look at to start with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart we are called to be a group of people who love who love one another There are four things that every human being needs in order to live a fulfilled life. The first thing that every single one of us needs in order to live a fulfilled life is they need something to explain life and death. They need a philosophy. They need a belief system that can help explain both life and death. How we got here, why we're here, and where we're going. Second, they, they need, every human being needs, not only a philosophy or a worldview that explains life and death, they need meaningful work. They need meaningful work. They need a purpose big enough to give their life to. The third thing that every human being needs to, to experience fulfillment in life is that they need a nuclear family. They need a family. And then the fourth thing that every human being needs in order to be fulfilled in life and death is friends. Friends. Now, when you look at your life, do you have a, a philosophy, a worldview that explains life and death? Do you, are you engaged in meaningful work with purpose, to, to live on purpose, with purpose, to accomplish God's purposes in the world today? Are you experiencing the, the family, and, and, and do you have a few friends that you're doing life with? If you have those four, even in just the most embryonic way, if you have those four, you're growing in your experience of a fulfilled, meaningful life. Now, the world in which we live, the secular world in which we live, cannot provide credible answers to all four of those uh, important, important foundations for a meaningful, flourishing life. They can't. The Church of Jesus Christ can. The church of Jesus Christ has the word of God and the word of God gives us the answer to life and death. The church of Jesus Christ provides a purpose big enough to invest our life in. The church of Jesus Christ provides a place for families, for families to grow together. The church of Jesus Christ provides a place for friendship and so i invite you to consider this morning how it is that we can grow in our love for one another last week last week i told you about loving jesus and the experience of the love of jesus for us is what moves us to love jesus back i told you last week about a new a new life that Jesus offers us. I told you about a new purpose that he invites us to. I I told you about a new leader that Jesus wants to move in as our master and Lord. He invites us to live the Christ-directed life, a new life, a new purpose, a new leader. And this week, we're going to see that Jesus invites us to a new community, a new community. We are to live, we are to live with those, with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. We're a new community. We're called to be together. Our purpose as a church is to make disciples together, to make disciples together and And that phrase, with those, describes the together life that we're invited to live. We're we're called to be with one another. We're called to be with each other. So, So let me ask you this. Are there people in your life, are there people in your life that you're regularly with? That on a regular basis, there's a group of people that you gather with regularly, faithfully. A group of men or a group of women or families gathering together. Are there people in your life that you gather with regularly? Let me ask you this. If you were in crisis, would someone know and be able to help? If you were in crisis, a health crisis, a relational crisis, a, a work crisis, a financial crisis, if you were in trouble, would anyone know and be able to help? Now, Jesus, Jesus Christ is deeply interested in our witness. our witness. You see, Dave, did you get a lisp at camp? No, I didn't get a lisp. I meant to say withness. Not witness. Our withness. He prayed, Father, may they be one, even as we are one. I and them. Jesus Christ is deeply invested in us becoming the type of people who are together, who are with one another. He's deeply invested in that witness. Now, this new community, not only is this new community together, this new community is centered on Jesus. It's a Jesus community. It's a Jesus family. It's a Jesus movement. This new community is centered around Jesus. Did you see that? In verse 22, with those who who call upon the Lord. Jesus is the center of our community. Now, you guys don't get to see one another the way I see you. I get to look out every week and I get to see all of you and you are, a, you are an amazing bunch. Every week I look at you and I think, there is absolutely no reason for this group of people to be together this day other than Jesus. Jesus. I mean, you're young, you're old, some of you, some of you are wealthy, some of you are less wealthy, all of us are rich compared to most people in the world. But but there's such diversity here, and I wish there was even more diversity to be honest with you. And the reason why is because I believe when a ragtag, ragamuffin group of people that have no other reason to be together other than Jesus gets together and stays together, the watching world has no choice in looking at us but to ask the question, there must be something to this man Jesus if he can take this group of people and keep them together. There's no other explanation for the church of Jesus Christ, its existence and its continued existence, other than Jesus, that we call upon the Lord together. I've traveled to Russia and to Haiti and to India, and there's no explanation for the unity that I experience with the church of Jesus Christ around the world other than Jesus. There's no explanation for the church other than Jesus. That's why Paul could say things in the New Testament that are crazy, that there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we're all one in Christ Jesus. What would cause a multicultural, multi-ethnic, diverse community like that Nothing other than Jesus. This new community is together. It's centered around Jesus. Those who call upon the Lord and this new community that we're invited to be a part of, this new community is created by God with those who call upon the Lord from a pure heart. A pure heart. Where do you get a heart like that? Where do you get a pure heart? Listen, Jesus is very stark in his description of the human heart. Jesus made us and he watched us as we turned away from God and were scarred by sin. Jesus understands the human heart inside and out. So we can trust him when he diagnoses the condition of the human heart. And here's what he says. He was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of covening and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. This new community has no hope of being formed unless God does something on the inside of us on the inside of us, to make it possible for us to experience the new community. Something has to change in our hearts because who wants to be a part of a community that's characterized by thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, and wickedness? Welcome to Good News Church, where wickedness abounds. Who would want to be a part of that? But what if? What if you were a part of a new community? What if you were a part of a new community where God began a work on the inside of us that created a pure heart? And that's what he does. That's what he does. In Ezekiel 36, in Ezekiel 36 we read this. Verse 26 Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. When God moves in, this God-made community is a community that has a new heart this new heart is now sealed with the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the desire and the power to live as followers of Christ together in this new community. In this new community, the Spirit, the Spirit is the synovial fluid that keeps our joints supple and able to move and maneuver I was at camp Friday night. I spent the night at Southwind with all the other campers. I didn't have special accommodations. I slept on the same plastic mattress. It was far more comfortable than it could have been. But when I woke up on Saturday, oh, I had aches and pains. I didn't know I had aches and pains. But do you know what happens as you get up and you start moving that synovial fluid starts to fill those cracks in those joints and now you're able to start moving a little by little better by be- better and better as the day goes along and that's what the holy spirit does in the church naturally naturally those fleshy hearts of ours you realize how hard it is for us to get along But, oh, when the Spirit comes, when a new heart is given, when we have a new community that's God-made, now that synovial fluid moves into the joints and makes it possible for them not to rub against one another, but to move freely and far more comfortably, far more comfortably than anything that the world could expect. So this new community, what is it like? What is it like? This new community. This new community is together. This new community is centered around Jesus. This new community is God-formed. People who have experienced the heart change that comes when he moves in with his Holy Spirit. So that's what the community is like. Now what happens? What happens when... We are in this new community over time. What kind of people, what kind of people do we become in this new community? Well, go to, look at the next verse, verse 23. Refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. In verse 24, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but... Be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. So in this passage, we're told three things that that happen to us when we live in this new community. When we live in this new community, we can expect three hard edges to be knocked off and replaced by three virtues that are amazing when we see it, kindness, kindness, patience, and gentleness. What kind of people do we become in this new community? As we live together, we become kind, we become patient, we become gentle. And the opposite, the opposite of the person, the opposite of the person who's becoming kind and gentle and patient is the quarrelsome person. The quarrelsome person. Now what do we call that, that kind of person, that kind of personality who's always taking the opposite side? What do we call that person? The devil's advocate, right? We call that person the devil's advocate. Do you know where that came from? In the Middle Ages, when the Catholic Church was trying to determine whether a person could be identified as a saint and given special recognition by the church, the church would argue for that person's sainthood. But the devil's advocate would be an attorney, a lawyer appointed by the church, and they would argue against that person's sainthood. And they would be called the devil's advocate. The devil's advocate. You want to be a devil's advocate? Would you like that job? Quarrelsome, always pointing out the faults of others, critical? Or would you rather become kind, patient, and gentle? What type of person would you rather be? I'd rather be the kind person. I'd rather be the patient person. I'd rather become the gentle person. Those quarrelsome edges of my life, that critical spirit, that defensiveness, that that anger, that envy, that resentment, that bitterness, those are all things that are part of that quarrelsome nature, and those have to be knocked off in the new community so that we can become smoother, smoother stones characterized by kindness, kindness. The Bible was originally written in Greek, the New Testament was. And, and that same word for kindness that Paul uses in, in 2 in Timothy 2, 23 is the same word he uses in 1 Thessalonians to describe a nursing mother. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. It's the same word, gentle and kind. What does a nursing mother want for her child? What a nursing mother wants for her child is for her child to be able to receive all the nourishment that the mother has for the child. And so she's gentle. She's tender. She's kind. She makes herself available to the child to receive all the nourishment that the child needs. And and that's why in 2 Timothy 2, the gift of teaching is is used in this passage very, very close to this description of this new community because how do we get the nourishment we need? We get it from the Word of God. The pure milk of the Word is what nourishes and helps and supports the church and makes it grow and become healthy. And as the church grows in health, it becomes a kinder, gentler place and we're able to be patient, we're able to become patient with one another, long-suffering, we're able to practice forbearance. Peter came to Jesus, felt pretty good, felt pretty holy. Jesus, how many times, how many times should I forgive? How about seven? Seven I'd be a walking angel I'd be in pretty good shape right Jesus Peter not seven not seven maybe it's three maybe it's four I mean maybe I went farther than I needed to go man Jesus is going to back it off a little bit oh no Peter Seventy times seven. What kind of community do we get to become? We get to become a new community that practices forbearance, preemptive strikes, not of cancellation, but preemptive strikes of grace, preemptive strikes of forgiveness, preemptive strikes of forgiveness being patient with one another. How are these stones going to become smooth? It's going to take a lot of patience and a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of knocks. It's going to take a lot of forgiveness and forbearance for us to knock the hard edges off of one another. You know the person... The person in your small group, they're always canceling at the last minute. The person in your small group who over-talks. The person in your small group who always shares prayer requests, never seems to bring a dish to the the dinner. That person in your small group, you know who that person is? If you don't, it's probably you. (laughs) How do we get along in a community? By practicing patience. You get to enroll in Jesus Christ's master school of stone smoothing. When you step into life together, you get, you get to forgive each other. Practicing forbearance. It's so good to be involved in a local church because where else would you ever get to practice the kind of forbearance that you need in order to flourish Do you know any place in your life where you need to practice continual forgiveness of another human being? Is there anywhere in your life where you share a home with someone else? Maybe a child as a parent or a spouse, as a husband or a wife. Don't you have to practice lots of forbearance, lots of patience with one another towards your children and towards your spouse? Listen, if you want to get in shape, where do you have to go? You got to go to the gym or you got to go to the park. And if we want to have marriages and families that flourish, we got to go to the gym. We got to go to the park. We got to work out. And where do we work out to knock off the hard edges and practice patient forbearance with one another? We go to the church. The church is a gymnasium for patience. When we're patient with one another in the church, we learn how to become patient in our homes too. You want a marriage that lasts? Get involved in the church. Get involved in a small group. Learn how to forgive others. And you'll suddenly find yourself able to forgive your louse of a spouse. You want to have kids that grow up to follow Jesus? Get involved in a church. Learn how to forgive. And then forgive your kids again and again as they grow to become smoother and smoother stones in this new community. Kind, patient, and gentle. Kind, patient, and gentle. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. The word uh, for gentle that Paul uses here was one of the Greeks' favorite virtues. It's the Greek word praus, and the Greeks loved this virtue. They loved this virtue except for one thing. The Greek virtue of gentleness, they loved it. But they only practiced gentleness towards people who were like them. Towards the people that weren't like them, the other. The Greeks thought it was foolishness, to be gentle towards your enemies. The Greeks thought it was foolish to be lenient towards the guilty. And then Jesus came along. And then Paul came along. And Jesus said things like this, forgive your enemies and bless those who persecute you. And Paul came along and he said, be gentle. And the Greeks and Ephesus would have said, yes, we should be gentle. We should be gentle. We should be lenient towards people who are like us. We should be gentle toward our friends. And then Paul says, be gentle towards those who are in opposition to you. The virtue of Christian gentleness is amazing not because of what it does, but for whom it does. Christian gentleness is shown to our enemy, to those who persecute us. So we're kind, we're patient, we're gentle. Now, how do we get there? How do we become like that? And there's only one way, and it's the gospel. There's only one way, and it's the gospel. Because our flesh, our sinful nature, is far more likely... Is far more likely to respond with anger and envy and bitterness than it is to respond with kindness and patience and gentleness. And so, what we need is we need Jesus. We need the gospel. And what does the gospel say? The gospel has bad news. And the bad news of the gospel is that the reason why it's so hard for us to get along in our homes and in our families and in our church, the reason it's so hard for us to get along in our lives is because of something within us called sin. That sin naturally separates us. It separates us from God and it separates us from one another. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came to reconcile. And how did he do it? Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived, and then he died the death that we deserve to die. And on the cross, on the cross, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ met a man on the cross who said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. How does Jesus describe the life that he wants to make possible for us through the gospel? What the gospel offers us What the gospel offers us is to be with Jesus. The only way that we'll ever make progress in being with one another is if we learn that the gospel makes it possible for us to be with Jesus. This man received a promise that by Jesus' death on the cross for him and with him, he could be with Jesus forever. And you have the distinct advantage that you don't have to wait to the very end of your life to receive Christ and begin doing life with him. If you think that the thief on the cross really nailed it, he got life right, he waited to the very last instant, and then he trusted Christ and he went to heaven. If you think that the thief on the cross nailed life, you're missing out. Jesus Christ says, you can be with me now. You can begin an eternal kind of life with me now. Would you like to be reconciled to God, forgiven of all your sins? Would you like to have an eternal kind of life now? You can. You can be with Jesus by faith. It means admitting the bad news is true of you. Have you? It means believing that Jesus' life and death and resurrection was for you. Have you? It means committing to him as savior and Lord. Have you? Won't you? And if you have, then Jesus says, I wanna move into the center of your life. I want you to become my follower. I wanna show you a new way of living life. I want you to enter into a new community. And I want you who are a part of my new community, I want you to start knocking the hard edges off of your life. And I'm going to provide everything you need for that. I'm going to provide you the forgiveness you need so that you can be patient. I'm going to love you and be kind towards you so that you can be kind towards others. I loved you when you were my enemy. So now you can show love to your enemies and those who oppose you. He can. He can. And he will. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that we could become more and more the new community that you invite us to be. Jesus, I pray that more and more we could become the kind of people who are kind and patient and gentle. I pray that more and more we could experience the gospel moving us into life together. Jesus, I pray that because of your kindness and your patience and your gentleness, you would be forming in us, forming us to be together a new community. There may be some here today, Jesus, that you're inviting into that new community for the first time. And if that's true of you, would you just say to him now, Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe you lived the life I should have lived. Jesus, I believe you died the death I deserve to die. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. Come into my life as Savior and Lord and help me become the person you want me to be. And Jesus, for all of us who are a part of this new community, this place of grace, I pray that you would work in us to make us become a kind, patient, gentle community, together, centered around Jesus, living life in the power of your Holy Spirit with pure hearts. Do that, I pray, in Jesus' name.